This is the Voice of the Land podcast with your hosts, Kevin Arnold and Nick Paulus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to another episode of the Voice of the Land podcast. We're back. <laughs> this is season two, episode 15. I am one of your hosts, Kevin Arnold, and alongside me, as always, Nick Paulus. Paulus, been, been a little bit longer. We apologize, everybody. We didn't have an episode last week. For, we didn't have our fantasy pod. We didn't have Technical the voice Technical difficulties with the studio. Technical yeah. difficulties. It's things everything. Happen. Everything looks to be good now, looks, though. Looks great. So, yeah, the, the system sounds, looks amazing. Just looking at this computer sounds a lot screen better. right now. I think that they just updated the uh, the programming. That'd be uh, great if they did, because it's probably going to come out sounding <laughs> even better. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. I bet my asthmatic breathing is going to come out even oh, crisper. It, you know, it's, it's crystal clear right, right now. now. Right. That's that's so amazing. But how you been, man? Doing well. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of time up at ESP. Uh, want to give a shout out to uh, uh, Chris Oldak, uh, his his family. They went through a scare with his daughter, uh, but everything's all good. You know, so not to freak out anyone, mm-hmm. but you know, want to give him a shout out. We had to put in a couple couple extra days up there. Uh, you know, people were jumbled around, mm-hmm. just like yeah. trying to fill in spots. I'm telling you right now, without Chris up there, a lot of things <laughs> a lot of things go you know go awry. Yeah, he's uh, he's, he's, he's the glue up there. He, he really is the, the glue up there. So. Uh, shout out to Chris and his family. Uh, you know, hope everything's you know doing well yeah. uh, for them. But I mean, you know, just other than subbing in up there uh, for them, I actually I, I don't know if you. Uh, I know you were listening yesterday. I was, but I didn't get to listen the whole time. What do you? I gave you a shout out. Did you really? Next level performer of the day. Yep. Oh man. NTB. I, I'll I'll bring in I'll bring in the audio. Okay. Uh, yeah. Here for us, please do uh, because my phone cut. I was listening through my phone while I was taking care of something else yeah. around the house. And I listened to most of the show. I had to kind of step away for a little bit, but I'd come back for the end. Right. And I actually had to go get a flu shot yesterday. So okay. I I got that done, came back, and turned it on because I was listening like the last half hour on my ride home and then turning on my phone because I had to get things together before handing out the candy to the kids on Halloween. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was my responsibility at home last <laughs> night. So I turned it on, and I heard you had done your next level performance. Like, I heard you finishing. I was going to say, you probably literally just missed it because uh, for those that don't know, I was subbing in uh, for Jordan Climac. He was actually out. Sick mm-hmm. uh, yesterday uh, for uh, for the next level, so I, I was subbing in for them for uh, for the producer role. And at the very end of the uh, show, we do the NTB Next Level Performers yep. of the Day. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, uh, Emmett gave his, Matt gave his, and then I gave mine to you because of the craziness that was yesterday. I had to sub in. You know, I was there yeah. for like nine hours yesterday uh, doing that and ECT. And uh, I wanted to give you a shout out to I let you know that, that I appreciate. you you for you know getting off early today and you know us able to doing this because this is on a friday instead of the thursday which is normally what we do yeah and i had to work early this morning and working long hours plus gotta cover a football game tonight we'll actually work with my drum line tonight it's the last game of the year it's yeah it's week 10 which is crazy no the the high school football season is so good in northeast ohio but it goes so fast i've been meaning to get i haven't caught i haven't caught a high school game in it's been years and and like it bothers me because I I love you know football obviously yeah. and I love high school football. Oh, it's, it's, I, it's I so just pure. It is. It really is. I, I just haven't had the opportunity to do it. And I'm like, you know what? This is going to be the week. I'm like, damn, it's week ten already. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, so it, it is senior night.
night, so it's a little bit of a bittersweet night tonight. Sure. Because the group that I'm that we're kind of it's their last game tonight, and it's a group that holds a special place in my heart. The senior class this year at Wycliffe High School because. I originally was, I mean, I've mentioned on the podcast several times, I was going to become a teacher. And there was just something in my head that told me there was a different direction that was meant for me. And I think that this is the direction meant for me, but the education of young people and stuff still, there's still an element there that that I like to partake in and I like to be involved with. And they were the group that I did my student teaching, my last field experience graduating from Cleveland State had a, basically I was a teacher for half the year for these guys and so it's it's going to be a little a little sentimental tonight yeah, oh, um, for sure. and you know in our time off I even got to go out to the Wycliffe High School girls soccer soccer games and they made the playoffs and they congrats they it, by the way yeah they went the furthest that the program's ever gone it's the program's been around 11 11 years now no tw- uh, 12 or 13 years now because halfway through my high school years, and I graduated in 2009, in the fall of 2007 was the first time that the girls had a separate program besides being co-ed for soccer at Wycliffe. And they made it to the district championship game. Questionable ending. Ooh, okay. A little bit of a controversy? Controversy, yeah. Um, you know, maybe certain people that are in charge of kind of controlling the game not necessarily recognizing the the true laws of the game but gotcha i let my voice be heard that night <laughs> don't worry that was it was out at strongsville high school so it was you know neutral site and everything but congrats to independence and they are kind of they're moving on they're in the regional final so you know you lose to a team that continues to go on you, you feel good about that and sure it was just tough to see the see the senior class and those those seven or eight girls that moving on there too that i've been with for so long and had the opportunity to coach it's been a sentimental couple weeks for me so that's kind of where I'm at but we are here to talk sports we're getting back into things a little bit of a longer opening there but before we do get into the Browns talk that we got to get into I mean I feel like there's nothing that we really missed with anything in sports no, yeah, nothing, over two no, weeks. Yeah, nothing happened. I mean, when the Browns are playing, it's always quiet, right? Right. Yeah, no, there's yeah. never any controversy. You know, nothing like that ever happens to the Browns. So, I mean, I'm, there's a couple things we'll talk about. <laughs> Maybe we'll get into the Browns a little bit. And we'll, we'll talk Cavs, too, because we wanted to do an NBA preview last week, and we didn't get a chance to do that. But Cavs are off to a decent start in the first a couple games. Pretty surprising start. Let, let's be honest. A surprising start. So we'll get into our surprise with the Cavs later on in this podcast. But just before we do, it is episode 15. Ask you every single time, is there something, is there a person or is there the number 15 in sports? Is there something that pops into your head when you hear the number 15? Vince Carter. Vin Sanity. The elbow in the... In the rim. The honey dip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It it was amazing. I loved everything about early 2000s Vince Carter. Dude's still playing today. I know. I mean, he is. That's crazy. He's he's playing for the Hawks. He's, I think this is his 21st or 22nd year. year. I think it's 22nd. He was drafted in the 90s. Think about that, people. 
drafted in the 90s. And those old school Raptors jerseys were the fire. best. The fire. best jerseys around were the old school Raptor jerseys, the ones that him and his cousin, T Mac, mm-hmm. used to wear. So I, for me, it's Vince Andy. There's no doubt about it. Every time I think of 15, I think of Vince Carter. You know, when you hear, when I hear Vince Carter, I think of when he just said, it's over, it's yeah, over. D- over. You, you know, yeah. and then guys tried to replicate that um, over the years when they're in the oh, dunk contest. Course, yeah. But the dunk contest is lost. A lot of luster. That was the exact word I was going to use. It's lost so much luster over the years. It's still something I get drawn to, but people are more drawn to the three-point contest now at, at All-Star Weekend. I'm not going to lie. Like, I love the three-point competition now and just because I've seen all the dunks before. Like, yeah. Unless something new, the craziest dunk that's happened, and it wasn't even that crazy, but it was kind of cool, was uh, Blake Griffin jumping over the car, you know, yeah. doing the Kia commercial, basically. Uh, I mean, that was probably the most inventive one that I've seen since then, or one that really sticks in my mind. Uh, obviously, uh, Dwight Howard jumping, mm-hmm. you know, doing the Superman cape and everything. That's all cool, but I mean, it, a lot of the dunk competitions lost me. If you want a dunk contest, go to Twitter. Because the freestyle dunkers out there. That's true. Twitter or YouTube, go to find these freestyle dunkers. There's one guy, and I can't remember his first name. I know his last name is Killigan or something like that. Okay. He's this guy that can, like, he puts his arms so far behind him and can dunk like that. And he's, like, popped the ball. He's, like, jumped, <laughs> popped the ball, like, up through behind him and dunked it. it. That's cool. Some, like, crazy things that you wouldn't think of. Like, the creativity is on Twitter. It's on YouTube. Sure. It's the freestyle guys that aren't in the NBA. The NBA guys are so focused. Focused, they're so narrowly focused, and with this era we've gone through in the NBA, with superstars teaming up, and now they're more spread out. It's more even across the board. But in this era of super teams or excessive super teams, because there's always been, there have always been super teams in the of NBA. Course. I think people yeah. forget to look at that. It's just how that they, how these stars, how they were formed. yeah, how they ca- came together. In that era, these guys are so focused on that kind of stuff and kind of branding and everything and getting chemistry together. And once you get to the dunk contest, none of the stars want to do it. And it's these young guys that bright lights come on. They're not really ready for it. Right. You know, the, the, a lot of these arenas at the All-Star Weekend, the lights, it's like the it's like Staples Center all across the board. The lights go down. The, it's just spotlights on the court. You may be able to do they it in practice. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not anything against them. It's just that's what you're going to get from an up-and-coming star that's just – it's not – they're not ready for the moment just yet. So – but Vince Carter, dunk contest, those moments just stay in my mind all the time. For me, it's Earl the Pearl Monroe sticking with the NBA. That was my dad's favorite player growing up and, you know, like the little scoop layups and stuff and just, sure. the, just the finesse around the rim. I mean, I guess you could say Tim Tebow too, if you wanted to, if you wanted to get back to Tebowing. But who knows? <laughs> you, you want know. God on your side? Yeah, have Tim want, Tebow on your yeah, team. Yeah, you want God on your side, and you hear the number fifteen say Tim Tebow. That, right. That's what it is. But for me, it's Earl the Pearl Monroe. So that's who we think of. Let us know. Reach out to us at VT underscore Pod at VT underscore Pod. I know there's plenty of other examples of people oh, that yeah. have worn fifteen or. Maybe the number fifteen is special to you because you've worn it, or it just it means something to you as you as you watch sports. So reach out to us, let us know, and as always, find us on every major podcast platform that you can out there. We post through Anchor; it gets fed out to all those major podcast platforms. So if you have trouble following the link on Anchor, by all means, go search us on Google, Apple, Spotify. You just type in Voice of the Land, or you type in Fantasy Voices for our fantasy. It'll pop production. right up. It pops right up. You either get our faces, or you get a nice picture of a football for fantasy voices, <laughs> which it'll be easy to find. So, speaking of football, 
Browns. Quickly, we missed talking about or leading into leading off of a bye week into the Patriots game and just your thoughts on that game and the what you saw, the Browns team that you saw coming out of a bye week that we thought, you know, we'd see a little bit more of. It's tough to beat the Patriots in it, New England. It granted. It's very tough to beat the number one ranked defense in the league. But it looked like they beat themselves. They again. Of course. The first quarter it was and I tweeted it out, same old Browns. The fact that they fumbled on three straight plays, two of which was via Nick Chubb, which you never think Nick Chubb is ever going to fumble, let alone twice. I mean, the first time he had the ball kicked out of his arms uh, by Joel Batonio, a freak a freak accident is exactly yeah. what it was. Um, and then he gets a 55-yard run right mm-hmm. down. The, I mean, he fumbles at the five. Nick Chubb doesn't fumble. He right. doesn't fumble at the five. You know, like he buries, you know, he barrels right in. But, of course, it happened. Um, and then Baker's little shovel pass. It, it, I saw the gift going around of, uh, you know, him doing the shovel pass mm-hmm. in front of Jarvis, you know, right to a defensive lineman who intercepts it. Uh, it looked like the uh, the the water boy, whenever he catches yeah. the ball, he goes, ah, well, you! And he tosses mm-hmm. it in the defensive line. Thank you! And he runs it, you know, down the field. That's kind of how it looked, and that's exactly how it felt. It, now, do you hard. put that interception on, on Baker? I guess I kind of do, because Baker has to understand and realize, like, I know it was a timing thing, and it just got knocked off, but you and I have talked about this whole timing thing a lot with Freddie's offense and stuff. Yeah. People get knocked around a little bit, and it screws up the timing, and that screws up Baker's timing. So, so he flips it to exactly where Jarvis needed to be, and Jarvis isn't there. I kind of hold that accountable for Baker, because I know it's a split-second decision, mm-hmm. but man, I mean... You can't do that. Yeah, in the post-game press conference, I know he said he wishes he he had the ability to kind of bring that of one course. back or, you know, not. I wasn't, like, it, freaking out saying, like, oh, my God, sit Baker. I wasn't right. saying anything right. like it that. It wasn't one of those interceptions where, you know, him being the leading inter- or turnover quarterback or interception right. quarterback in, in the league. It wasn't one of those interceptions because I don't think he's expecting Joel Batonio to get blown up no. and this guy to come through the line no. like that. And Joel had a rough day. Yes. Joel had a yes, very rough Day. Not not only you know the freak accident with that, but Joel got blown up a lot yeah. against the Patriots. He had a couple Patriots penalties against him too. No, yeah, he did. Yeah, um, but overall, I think going up against the Patriots is a tough task. I mean, they're eight zero for a reason. Does it suck that Bill Belichick got his three hundredth win against us? Yeah, it does. When he got his first win at, when he was the Browns right. head coach against the Patriots. Oh, what a great sports of, story. Of course, oh, um, wait, Bill Belichick. Right, but yeah, that was a tough pill to swallow. But it left me that game losing that game left me intrigued for this week because I was I was I was hardened by that loss and thinking like I just can't believe this uh, I, I especially after that first quarter I was pissed mm-hmm. um, to, to be quite honest with you but then they started catching on a little bit of roll went down scored a couple of points I was like okay you know what well, we're getting back into this game and then Freddie is killing me with his play calling the fact that he did the fourth down play, you know, uh, that they didn't convert on third down. So then he sends out his punt team and then he requested his punt team to cause a false start on, you know, on them. That way he could bring back out the offense in order for a fourth and 16 on your own 20 yard line, you know, up against the Patriots. You're down by three scores at that, you know, at that point in time. It's ridiculous. And Baker
Baker got annihilated yeah. on that play. He had to be carried off the field by his offensive lineman. At that very moment, I, I had this gut instinctual feeling that I told myself I wouldn't call for Freddie's head this year because I truly believed that you need to give a rookie head coach some time to to develop his own mm-hmm. plays and do his own calling. And, and I'm sorry I'm going off on a tangent for it, but Go all I on, am man. sick and tired of Freddie not learning from his previous mistakes. And at that very second that he sent Baker out there to get annihilated – my heart sunk because I know Freddie's not the guy. It, it, that kills me. Yeah, it's. I think I said the same thing that I wouldn't. I wouldn't even call for him to lose his job, and I don't know that I am yet. Anyways, but here's here's the biggest problem. You go into the post game press conference and you're saying the same thing. We're now back to coaches that think they're smarter than everybody else and. They say what we want to hear, but they don't do what we want to see. And that's an issue. I don't care if you're a first-year head coach and if you accelerated from a position coach all the way up to head coach within a year and a half. That doesn't matter. If you're not learning and you don't see growth, you see more regression than growth, that's a big, big, big problem. You can't just keep saying the same thing. And then now we're back to oh, all the jokes about Cleveland, all the jokes about the Browns. Oh, well, this is this is par for the course because it's the Browns. They can't do anything right. They'll never win games, no matter what kind of talent they have. That's not what you want to see. That's not what you want to hear. I'm done with the jokes. I don't care if it's I don't care if it's us as Clevelanders or national media. I don't like it. I don't care if you think that you're a, if you're a Clevelander, it's okay that you can make these jokes and the Chris McNeils of the world that do these 0-16 parades and guys like that, and they just want the clicks, they want the likes on Twitter for all these jokes, and then national media catches on to that, or they make their own jokes, and now I'm seeing all of this on Twitter. Enough! At some point, you have to make growth. You have to make progress. This is too talented of a football team to be 2-5. and five. I don't care who you've gone against because you have beaten yourself too often rather than better teams beating you. It's one thing to be 2-5, and five, going through a rough schedule, being in close games in that one or two plays that these bona fide established superstars or pro bowlers in the NFL make if they're beating you that way. Okay, I'm not about moral victories, but there is reality in a moral victory. There is. I mean, I mean, you're you're not wrong with that, and, and like I 100% agree with you that I'm sick and tired of seeing, you know, same old Browns. I said same old Browns. I tweeted out same old Browns because that's exactly what it was. Yeah. yeah this was 2016, 2017, quintessential Browns play, and that's not the type of talent that we've assembled on this team. A lot of things have gone wrong with this team, but I believe mostly has come from the coaching. And, and yeah, does Baker throw too many interceptions? Yeah. 
You know, it's not like he threw 12 against, you know, the New England Patriots. I mean, he's thrown some bad ones against some bad teams. Tennessee doesn't look to be, you know, you know, just world beaters out there. No. They're they're a, a below average team. And you got your ass already, beat. <laughs> and you got your ass beat on that, you know, against them, which once again at that time I thought was a good thing because hey, you know, that that'll shake them up. That'll really rattle them. No, now you're 2 and 5. And it's just not working out the way that you wanted to. And you said same old Browns. I just want to yeah. I just want to leave sure, that sure. that element right here. You saying same old Browns is yeah. frustration. It's not jokes. Yeah. We're not joking around. We're not yeah. happy oh, oh, uh, that we have to no. see reality yeah. and see that this is we're basically seeing the same old Browns oh, pissed. with a lot more much more talent which makes us pissed. The ones that the people that just want to make jokes about it and if you want to do that and that, that's how you get through the pain. Those aren't real Browns fans though. No, they're not. And it it frustrates me to no end and it Again, it comes from coaching because when you're undisciplined, you make simple little mistakes that you see every single week. Yeah, maybe that first game should have been a good thing, but it turned into a trend. It turned into a pattern. It really has. And that is horrible. You have to change it this week. But like you said, things really didn't. They had two weeks off to change it, though. They they didn't. They did, and, and like that's that's the most concerning part about all of this. Mm-hmm. And and once again, let's just wrap this up in a bow. Yeah. The bye week, you were supposed to fix these issues. Yes. Freddie Baker, everyone that is being interviewed has said they know what the problems are and they've identified them and they are planning on fixing them. When is my question? Because I'm sick and tired of seeing the same damn penalties. 13. 13 coming out of a bye week. Are you kidding me? I'm done with that. You have to be better. And that all goes on the coaching. Because you're doing exactly what – if you are doing this in a game, you are doing this in a practice. And they're saying that they're having such great practices, and it's not translating. I call BS. I do too because there's no way you make that many mistakes. And, yeah, is it on the players to not not false start or not go off sides or the simple little five- or ten-yard penalties? Yeah. But if it's not being – if they're not being held accountable – Guess what? The mind is not going to focus on keeping the little details intact. Yeah. The little details are just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse, and that's what's happening. You can't you can't come into this week as we transition towards Denver. I know we want to talk about Baker and what happened, being an element of the same old Browns thing, but just looking at the penalties and being held accountable, we can't be headed into week eight with guys being – punished for committing penalties in practice or being punished for the penalties they committed in the game by giving them laps or different types of discipline now you had to establish that culture before why didn't you establish that in training camp when everything was trying to be pieced together to get the initial thought process and philosophy out there to these players and the coaches why are we doing that this week it's great that we are, and hopefully it helps. I, I was going to say, like, I think better late than never right. is, is probably the best way of putting it. I think Freddie was just so concerned about being buddy-buddy with everyone on the team. that, th- oh, that who's that, that reminds you of? I know. I know. Hugh Jackson. I know. I, I know it does. But I think I just have this gut feeling that Freddie is just a little too late to the party. And we're going to see what happens, you know, this coming up week because you and I have strong feelings about that and that'll be coming up here very shortly. Yeah. But before we get into that game leading up to it, 
will the quarterback be focused because this week has his normal press press availability on Wednesdays. I think it was it before or after practice. I, it's it's after practice, I believe. Yeah, after practice, Baker's talking is going for about six seven minutes, and then. 8.50 ESPN Cleveland's own, uh, I guess now landondemand.com. Um, his content is yep. on there for Tony Grossi, been a longtime beat reporter of the Browns, first with the plain dealer, cleveland.com, and transitioned over to 8.50. Asks the question, continues to press on the question. Baker doesn't like the question, doesn't like that he's, his answer isn't sufficient enough to move on from that point. And he walks off. When you saw it, I don't know if you were at the studio when it happened or what your reaction was. I know the reaction around the around the studio was, you know, yeah. you know, kind of for grossy and stuff. But just kind of, if we can take a step back and look from the outside on both sides, how did you see it? I wasn't there uh, Wednesday. Um, I was you know, was not scheduled for for anything that day. That all being said, I mean, I read everything. I I watched the video a thousand times. I know this. Tony and Baker had last year, you know, had a not an on again, off again relationship, but a haha funny relationship. And the reason for that is because they went seven and you know seven eight and one. Especially the last bit of the year, it was that it was a cute sort of haha, like oh you know Baker would make fun of Tony for something or like you know quick quick jab right at yeah. him, and Tony would take it. You know why Tony would take it? Because they were winning, and it was fun to write. Funny articles and like, oh my god, you know, like I can't believe you know we beat the Baltimore Ravens with a kick that barely fluttered over, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, over that, and you know, the stadium erupts and everything like that. And you know, Tony and him could go at it a little bit uh, for that, and that was all fun and games. But now that they're in a losing streak, and it's been like this for a couple of weeks now. I mean, think about this: we haven't won a game in a month. You know, we've lost the last three. Uh, we've lost the last three games. And we had a bye week. So we haven't won in a month, which is something that Baker's not used to. Okay. Baker and Tony's relationship is strained mainly for the losses. And he's been giving Tony the cold shoulder the last couple of weeks. He's not really answering Tony's questions. He calls every question that Tony has a dumb question. Tony has some dumb questions. Okay. I love Tony. I think Tony's a great guy. Tony asked that that last question, well, were you sad? Satisfied with the the way the drive ended, I thought was a dumb question. But the the reason why he asked it is because Baker wasn't answering the other questions, so he was kind of poking the bear. Okay, and that's kind of what you get whenever you poke the bear. That all being said, Baker was totally out of line. Let me put it out there like that because Baker, you have to be better. Not only you're not just in an interview with Tony Grossi, you're there with ten different reporters, and you're just gonna walk out. On them like that too? No, you got to be better than that. If you don't like the line of questioning that you are getting from Tony, then say next question. Or come on, man, don't ask me that. Don't storm off like a child though. He looked like a teenager that told that he got grounded and they're taking away his cell phone, and he just walked off and didn't didn't care what the parents said. That's childish, and I don't like that. I love Baker. You know I love Baker. You drafted him. I drafted him. <laughs> I named my team Baker Baker Touchdown Maker. Um, I want to name my kid after you, Baker. But the thing is, 
is that Baker's acting childish right now. And it's because he's struggling on the field. I think if they win in Denver, everything changes. And then those, like that that poke in the bear sort of mentality that Tony and, and Baker both have right now, that's going to ease. And then it'll be a funny sort of ha-ha funny feeling sort of thing. Right. But right now, it's bad. And it's because they're losing. So I will say that walking off is is immature. Yeah. But other other big star athletes have done it. We've seen sure. we've seen guys like LeBron do we've it. We've seen Tom Brady do it. We've seen Tom Brady do it. We've seen but Baker is not at that at that level. At the point of the of their careers when Brady and LeBron and others, other notable athletes have done it been a little bit further in. I mean, LeBron left that press conference in one of the finals games when he was back here the second stint. So he had already been, you know, it was already like 14, 15 seasons deep sure, into, yeah. into being in, in the NBA. The and three rings. Being the global icon that he is. So there is some, it's never acceptable, but there is some cachet that goes along with being able to kind of get away with even, walking off. Even those guys, that's a bad look. Yes, it's like I said. Let, let's Yeah, yeah let, let's like get said, that clear. Like I said, it's immature, it's a bad look, but again, Baker, you're going to get more pushback on it because I know he sent out that tweet because you don't have the same cachet on that as others. And it's not like Tony was asking a personal question. This was an on-field question. Mm -hmm. He didn't cross any lines or anything like that. Did he poke the bear once again with with what I thought was a dumb question? The The last question he asked was a dumb question. The previous questions before that, asking about, hey, can you talk about the two-minute offense that you guys were trying to run and what was going on with the penalty and everything like that? That's not a dumb question. That's a football question. The last question, once again, was a dumb question. That's what set Baker off. But Baker, you got to be better than that. I think that both need to have some fault in that in that situation. I agree. Because Tony, as long as he has done things, and you and I have, you know, I know you work along, you've seen him more often than I have, uh, even, you know, being there a little bit longer. And even through our internship, just the days we were there, you know, Tony would be there days I wasn't there, but you got a chance to talk to him. So you got to know him a little bit more. And he has been doing this for a long time, over 30 years. So he does know the game of football and probably will forget more about the game of football than I will ever know without even ever, either one of us ever playing the sport. He will still forget more about the sport than I will ever know. I can admit that. And he's done a lot of great work in the past. But there is there is this issue right now of the Cleveland fan base with him and Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com getting a little set in their ways and asking some of these dumb questions. And when you originally start with a football question and then you start to try to you start to use an opinionated version of how you saw that play and what frustrated you about that play and you're trying to dig at somebody that you do have this back and forth with those kind of reactions are going to come. Again, he should never have walked off. What makes it even worse, what makes it more immature and childish was the things that cannot be repeated and I don't know exactly what he said but just hearing that he had used language that you cannot use whether language we don't use on this podcast language you cannot use with uh, radio or TV under FCC rules that kind of thing that he's saying as he walks off basically what you said a child that is muttering under their breath after being yelled at by a right. parent yeah you cannot have that behavior as a starting quarterback and I don't want to don't want to agree with Colin Cowherd but what he's had originally said when it was the wrong time to say it, 
right now you're seeing a petty baker that is becoming a childish baker. Yes. Because petty baker wins a lot of games. This is not a Baker Mayfield that's winning games, that is not leading a team to wins. The pettiness is not fueling any confidence or chip on the shoulder for motivation. It is just, he is so, and I know he's frustrated. I know he wants to win games. And that's where part of this comes from. It's because he does he doesn't want to win. People that still want to compare him to Johnny Manziel, Johnny Manziel never wanted to win. He doesn't have the talent of Baker Mayfield. So just cut all that crap out right now. I think every player wants to win. Yes. Okay, that's the goal for every player. Every player wants to win. But you know what but I'm saying. With I, the, I, I know. You, with they're, a they're, franchise quarterback, this this drive, this sure. necessity, this thing that drives their life. Their priorities got to be straight. And yes. I think Baker's priorities are straight. I don't think he's worried about his commercials being played at halftime. I don't think that he's concerned about, you know, hey, what's my wife doing at you know WKYC? I don't think he's concerned with anything other than football right now. Which I'm glad and I, and I'm thankful for because we've seen Johnny, we've mm-hmm. seen Brian, not Brian Hoyer, but we we've seen these guys that you know have come in here and just taken everything for granted, and like it, we've seen that happen. I don't think that's Baker. No, I don't think that. You don't think that. I don't think anyone in Cleveland thinks that. Tony Grossi doesn't think that. My point is with I love Tony. I think that Tony is a very good writer. He's been a very good reporter. He's been a very he's been very good at his job. He wouldn't have his job if he wasn't good at it for the last 30 35 years. You know, he's he's been here. He's seen everything. Literally, the man's seen everything from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. The only thing that he hasn't seen is a Super Bowl here. Literally, that's it. I think that Tony wants the best for Baker, and Baker wants to be the best. My thing is, is that they both have to squash this beef somehow, some way. I'm not saying I need a a public apology from Baker, because I don't think that's who Baker is. But I think that Baker can understand that what he did was childish. He says he's never going to change, and I respect that. However, you have to be respectful to the people that are doing their jobs as well. I'll wrap it up like this. There are two big personalities that need that do need to squash this. Neither one wants to admit fault in, on either side. And I think that's the problem, is that neither one, Tony included, doesn't want to admit fault. And remember, while, he, while Baker shouldn't hold grudges, Tony was the one that said if the Browns drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall, he would retire. And Baker has not forgotten that. And... There are times when Tony asks questions, especially to Baker, where it seems like that opinion, what Colin Cowherd tries to do, tries to troll you and tries to keep his narrative going and loves it when his, when whether he believes what he's saying or not, when his narrative that he's generated is becoming true, then he can feed off of that and he sure. can keep it going. Behind the scenes, as good as Tony has been and as good of a writer as he is, there is that little bit of a a dig that challenging of Baker because almost he wants what he originally thought to become true and I hope that's I hope that's not true but that's just that's just how I see it and Baker cannot react the way he does he needs to be more respectful because Tony has earned the ability to be respected one of the most respected journalists that are at all of those press meetings there's a reason why everybody knows his name whether it's day one or day 100 that they're in their position. I got one last thing, then we're going to wrap it up. We're going to go right to the Broncos real quick, and then we're going to hit the Cavs talk for the last couple of minutes. 
I know people don't like Tony. Okay. I like Tony because I've met Tony and I've seen how hard he works and I totally respect the guy. Okay. I don't know him that that well personally, but I respect what he does. And, and I'm sorry, I got to bring this up, but to the idiot that signed a petition for Tony Grossi to be fired, just turn you know turn off the podcast right now. I don't want you listening because that's ridiculous. Tony is doing his job. Tony, yeah. Once again, did he ask a stupid question? Yes. I even said that. But come on. Do you think you can do a better job? Like, I'm talking right to you. You, I'm talking to you, man. If you think you can do a better job, then come and try and take Tony's job. Good luck. Good luck. Because Tony outworks everybody in that business right now. And I would love to see you try. Tony's a good guy. He's a good reporter. He does everything that he can do for that team. He bleeds orange and brown. I know you don't think that, but he does. Way more than you, you bandwagon fan. So transitioning to the game, both Tony and Baker and the whole cast and crew of media members and Browns coaches and players will be in Denver this week for a game against Brandon Allen, backup quarterback. He's never taken a snap in the NFL. Denver has injury issues. They're 2-6 and six on the season. Yes, you're going a mile high, but with the talent you have, this looks like a game you should win. Yeah. What happens if the other isn't, it becomes true? If the Browns lose this game... To a two and six Denver Broncos, because I think we're both predicting. Like even though I'm not the predictor on here, I would think you're predicting a. I'm, our predictor Paulus is predicting a win. So I, I I predict a win and I expect a win. So I'm not let, saying by a hundred or anything ridiculous because I think that's going to be a struggle. Playing in Denver's always been a struggle. Yeah, other than win, the altitude, the high altitudes. Other are tough than to winning play. last year, we hadn't won in Denver in like 25 years. Yeah, it's very tough to win in Denver. So let's give people reality check on if the other becomes true, how dire the situation is, how much of a must-win this week is, no matter how good or bad this Denver team is. You can't be 2-6. and six. And I'm talking to Freddie Kitchens. You can't be 2-6. and six. Because if you go 2-6, John Dorsey is going to leave you on the tarmac at Denver Airport. Because I'm telling you right now, John Dorsey, if I was in John Dorsey's shoes, he wouldn't get a plane ticket home. He'd have to find his way home. Because 2-6 and six with a roster this good is unacceptable. I think right now it's unacceptable. It, like I'm just being quite honest with you. 2-5 and five is unacceptable with this team. However, we are in the easier part of our schedule. We have this week, and we have a tough game against the Buffalo Bills, but I think that they came down to earth last week whenever they lost to Philly. I think that that's a much easier winnable game than what a lot of people are probably going to predict next week. But if they lose this week, Freddie's not coming home. That That's my thought process. I think they should win. I think they will win. I think the overall score of the game, I think it's probably going to be 24 to, I'll say 24 to 17. I think that, that we beat them, but whoever that quarterback is, Brandon Allen, we I've never seen him throw. So, like, yeah. I, I don't know, but I guarantee you they're going to get points somehow. I think Brandon Allen went to Arkansas. He was in the SEC. Okay. I, th- I think, yeah. so, no matter where he went, these guys are going to have to go back to his tape 
from college because he's never taken an NFL snap and see how his game translates to what Denver's trying to do offensively, what they've done with Joe Joe Flacco this entire year. Now, whether Joe Flacco is really hurt or how serious that injury really is to keep him out the next four to six weeks, because I know he's been questioning the coaching staff and not really liking how Vic Vangio's been doing things up there in Denver, whatever that's going on, they they need to discuss all that. Reality is, Browns need to win this game. This fan base really thinks that the back half of this schedule is going to benefit these Browns to get potentially to make a run at a playoff spot. At this point, you're thinking wild card. Yeah, you got to win your. You can win your divisional games and give yourself a better shot at winning the division again. And I know a lot of people think, well, with the two Steelers games and the two Cincinnati games, plus you're playing Baltimore again, you already beat them. Again, we're assuming too much. I, th- I think we all got to look ourselves in the mirror and say we assumed too much coming into this season. I know I did. Yep. Can you say that you did? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? The reality is this team needed to be led, and it's not being led right now. So coaching staff, captains, veteran players need to lead this team, and it all starts this Sunday because if you lose this Sunday – Heads are going to roll, metaphorically. I agree. And Freddie's job could be in question. When we thought this was a cut, you know, a two-year thing where, yeah, we could we could get off to such a great start. He earns himself a, he earns himself that that coaching contract. We trust in Dorsey, and someone else needs to look at themselves in the mirror. If the Browns were to lose, would be Dorsey because he was part of the decision-making process to go with Freddie over getting a more experienced guy in here, no matter what they saw in Freddie or not. That's in this town, we know the fans that you can't you can't question Baker, you can't question <laughs> Freddie, you can't question John right. Dorsey. Yeah. Doesn't matter how much you trust them. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. No, I'm not going. I'm not going with that <laughs> reference right now. Um, but everybody makes mistakes, and everybody makes those decisions that could impact in a negative way. And you have to call those out. Right now, John Dorsey doesn't look very doesn't look very smart by this coaching hire. Maybe not right now, but I think it can be fixed. I think Dorsey it can be. It, I think it can be. But and they I have to show it now. Don't tell me. Right. Stop telling me. Yep. Show me. You're right. We're in a show me state at this point. So Browns go up there to Denver and win. A team that's kind of being being a surprise in a different way. On the basketball court, Cavaliers are two and two. And their leading offensive threat is Tristan Thompson. Which is ridiculous. Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love have double doubles in all four of the first games and the first one since uh Kevin had twenty Terrell rebounds. Brandon, the other I think night. it was. Yeah, Kevin had twenty rebounds the other night. Yeah. When was the last time that happened? Minnesota? Yeah. Minnesota yeah, probably. Days. Like you're seeing Minnesota, Kevin Love right now, and you're seeing I don't know what you're seeing a whole different Tristan Thompson. Oh yeah. Maybe the whole, you know, he was kind of bogged down last year with more personal issues off the court. <laughs> I know he'd been working on his offensive game for a long time, and you're starting to see that come to fruition. He sees LeBron as a brother, and he really took on that work ethic that LeBron brought when LeBron was here. And that's one of those things that LeBron still has an impact on this on this roster with. The guys that were here and that are now leading the younger guys, they saw the work ethic it takes to be the greatest player in the game right now. Sure. One of the greatest of all time and what you have to do is win your role to be great at that role so they're spreading that message and you're seeing the fruits of them putting in that work themselves i guess what is how do you see this very early in the season sure very early 
what do you really see for this Cavs team? I think that they're just a, I mean, they're, they're surprising some teams. I mean, you know, the fact that they got that win against the Pacers the other day, I mean, that was very surprising to me. Because um, when they get Oladipo back, that's not Yeah, yeah, that, that's probably that's not going to be tough. Ha- that's yeah, going to be a tough matchup. Yeah, probably won't be happening whenever uh, Vic uh, gets back there. But I think Tristan's really stepping up his game. Honestly, if I'm being quite honest with you, I think Tristan's really stepping up his game for trade value right about now, which is sad. But true. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if we were to keep this team intact, it could make a playoff run. And I'm not saying a deep run or like we're getting into the right. second or third round, nothing like that. Like, First we'd round, probably be like a seven or eight seed with this team right now, which is, hey, I mean, that's that's not bad for being like the worst team last year. You know, we're one of the top three worst teams last year. That's a pretty good upstart there for it. But we have a lot of young guys on this team. I think Colin Sexton is, is doing very well. He had a monster dunk the other night. Oh my gosh. God, that was awesome. Dunked on Wendell Carter Jr. <laughs> yeah. on his head, yeah, man. Yeah, it was, it oh, was great. That was nasty. Yeah. Yeah, it happened great. so quick. I don't think people in the arena realize like how nasty, right? That how was. how badass that was. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean he he really he really gave it uh, gave it to uh, Wendell. Uh, but I really think that this team is just going to start to be growing here right around that mid midway time. If we can end up being right around that five hundred time frame, uh, you know, right around the trade deadline, we might hold on to these assets and see what we can do uh, with it. Because I mean, we still got I. We still got a couple of years left of of uh, love, but I think this is Tristan's final year yeah. in his contract, so he's probably going to be moving here relatively soon. But I think that'd be a pretty pretty solid uh, you know look because when this team is healthy, and you saw without Tristan, without Kevin last year, they went to the, the direction that everybody thought they would. Yeah, I mean they were like five hundred you know the last month of the season whenever uh, Love came back. Yeah, so. If they were, if these guys stay healthy and they continue on this surprising track, and it makes it the fun basketball watching young guys develop, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. Oh, I'm that. all for. No all matter for. whether they win or lose, I'm actually the pressure's all off. I can watch Cavs basketball and not be so frustrated. And last year was tough because you're coming off the LeBron era, so it it was tough to kind of watch and come to the realization of where this team was going again. But now it's just fun to watch basketball. But if they continue to add to the fun and win games. Do you think that holding on to these assets is the right direction for this team if they really want to continue to build back towards towards being in the upper part of the Eastern Conference? Because you know without that star player, they're not going to get to championship level again. No, no, I, I agree with that. But, I mean, it just, you know, we're so we're so early in the season. Yeah. You know, we're, being 2-2 two and two is a lot better than 0-4. Oh yeah. You know, uh, I don't think that th- I don't think that we're going to be holding on to Tristan. Like I said, I personally think that Kevin Love is going to be a trade piece uh, here for us as well because I don't expect us to be at that 500 level. However, they are surprising me right now. So maybe they surprise me, you know, right around the trade deadline and, you know, there's no moves made, uh, which would be awesome. I would yeah. love to have Kevin Love here for another year. Obviously, like, I want him and, and like, all of this group to stick around and help uh, Colin Sexton and Garland and, and uh, Kevin Porter. I, I want all of them to get acquainted with themselves and do big things because that's what Cleveland should be 
about. Yeah. We should be about making the playoffs, not being the worst team in the league. Because I'm telling you right now, there's no you know Zion's, there's no yeah. LeBron's walking through the door right now. So let's try and build with what we have. And the new lottery rules do not like they go against they, honest, they go against tanking because there's less of a the chance Pelicans, of having, yeah. the Pelicans. I mean they they you know didn't almost make the playoffs last year, but they weren't a bottom three team. So honestly, yeah, if, if you don't make the playoffs, you still have a shot yeah. of winning. Just you know, look at last year. Just yeah. look at last year. You could get still. Who would have ever thought the Pelicans were going to get the number one pick? Right. Not not many people thought that that was going to happen. But it's just again, it's just it's fun to go game by game and, and sure. watch this Cavs team develop because you know they're going to scrap, they're going to claw, they're going to give it all. John Beal is going to have them playing to the end. So it makes the game fun, whether the, the result you may sting a little bit, but it's easier to kind of take because you know, understand where this team is going. And if they do make that playoff run, hey, it just makes it much more special and you get young guys even more basketball experience. And just looking at some of these some of these teams, I mean, the West is just loaded. Oh, it's crazy. The, the East, you know, there's some surprising teams towards the bottom that were better teams last year. Indiana, 1-3 right now. Brooklyn without KD, you don't know what they're going to be till next year. But Philly's four and zero. Miami's four and one. You know, Spolster always has that team. Yeah. That team playing well. But it's so early. Things will. You got to give at least the first twenty five games of the NBA season. Then you start to really see where teams go, and it's those Christmas Day games. It's that point of the season where the turn starts to happen, and you really teams start to show who they truly are, and they show their identity. Wrap it up right here. Predictions for this NBA year. Cavs prediction. What do you think that they're going to be? Win-wise. Knowing what we know now, and if that team continues to project out, I would say 35 wins. Okay. I think that they're still going to be right around the 25 to 27 range, below 500, clearly. Yeah, I mean, 35 wins would be... But that's above the the 19 that they had last year. I'll give them 30. I'll give them 30 wins. That's fair. If if they project out this way, if they have injuries or the young guys don't develop like you want them to, they continue on that same track, like you said, 2025. MVP. Who's the MVP this year? Giannis again. I, I was thinking Giannis myself, but I think Kawhi is going to get a lot of. Yeah, Kawhi, I think Kawhi is going to get it because everyone's he's going to loving up on that. Right he's now. very focused in LA. I Kawhi's a better pick there. Uh, NBA Finals, who's in and who wins? Oh man, um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Clippers and Milwaukee. Same. And Same. I would go in that situation. I'd probably go Clippers just because Same. Kawhi always seems to seems to always play well on the brightest stage. So I think Kawhi in six, uh, and like I would love to see Giannis win and Milwaukee win, but I think it's going to be I think it's going to end up being a Clippers. Yeah, and I'd say LA would be pissed that the Clippers got to the finals over over the over the Lakers, but. I don't even think that Lakers fans are really true fans, true NBA fans. So it doesn't really even—they're not like the fifty-year-olds and up are because you know they ran with Showtime. But this new batch—I mean, they—they were booing Kobe. Yeah, like yeah, they were booing Kobe, and they they love to boo LeBron just because he's not—you know—he's not going to be there very long. Yeah. yeah, he's not Kobe. He's not. He's not Kareem. He's not Magic. That that kind of thing. Just 
just to boo, just to boo. Right. So that is going to wrap it up. We will talk more NBA as the, as the season goes on. Oh, because, for sure. Because if the Browns continue on the path they're on, <laughs> we're going to need something to keep us sane. And the NBA is is much more fun and, and kind of being that Dynamic same. duos everywhere. It's oh, going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome to watch the entire season. So for Nick Paulus, I'm Kevin Arnold, reminding all of you out there to find us at, on Twitter at VTL underscore pod, VTL underscore POD on Twitter. Let us know anything you need, anything, anything you like about the show, anything you want to see more of. Shout out one more time to the Wycliffe High School Class of 2020 girls soccer team that made it the furthest and you know to members of the drumline and all that the entire class that holds a special place in my heart chris oldak prayers are with you and your family good good to hear things are going well but continue prayers to everybody over there at 850 espn cleveland that will wrap it up for us remember all you sports fans don't let anyone ever tell you it's just a game and we love you all 3000 we will see you all next week